Hello, this is Peter Bergman, and welcome to Radio Free Oz for the week of December 12th, 2012. 12-12-11. Those of you into numerology can start right now figuring out what that all means. Uncle Dave Osman, my fire sign brother, is not with me today, so I will be doing the show moi-même. And to that point... I'm going to read some of my favorite selections of blogs and poems that will appear in our forthcoming book, Trolling the Woe, which will be available to Ozites ever so soon. Here's one called Don't Blame Me, Blame the Not Me that appeared on September 6th, 2010. As I scan the media preparing for a new show, I call it trolling the woe, I'm increasingly convinced that five months ago I gave the American people far too much credit for common sense and thoroughly overrated their ability to recognize their own best self-interest and see the bigger picture at the same time. I figured all those pudgy white middle-class boobs dressed up as George Washington Light would self-destruct and return to the flat-screen reality they left at home. I failed to factor in the entitlement quotient. I didn't calculate the distance from high up on the hog where a whole lot of Americans have been living to the common ground below. What a leap of faith. You could bust up your unconscious, unsustainable lifestyle taking a jump like that. So they whine and whimper. Why is everything suddenly falling apart? What happened to all our endless home equity, platinum credit, and bulging 401ks? It can't be our fault. We're the heroic 5% of the world's population consuming 25% of the world's resources. It's a conspiracy. We're victims of the not-me. That not-me Obama who's going to build a mosque on the top of the White House and call us all to health care. That not-me the immigrant who's out stealing the jobs we won't take. That not-me the progressive who's really Che in Mao's clothing or Hitler cross-dressing as Stalin. All we have to do is vote everybody out of office and then wait until somebody gives us back our constitution and our good old way of life. How dare these half-baked couch potatoes usurp the noble brand of the Boston Tea Party? They're not putting their livelihood and personal safety at risk with a brave act of civil disobedience in the face of hostile, occupying troops. They're not up on Bunker Hill trading bullets with the British Army. They're nothing more and nothing less than a gaggle of angry drones being joysticked by bigots and billionaires. RadioFreeOz.com posted its first show on Earth Day 2010, just days before the BP oil spill. Oz is still with us, but you will search in vain for articles on the BP disaster in the mainstream press, as if it no longer remained a massive threat when it was overtaken in the news cycle by the drivel of the boobs running for Congress or the antics of the glitterati pushing each other aside for their moment in the media sun. The Gulf is dying, along with other vast stretches of the world's oceans, our largest farm. But... If the poison tide isn't tossing up oil-drenched waterfowl or rolling tarballs on our beaches, America's greatest man-made natural disaster isn't apparently worth the ink or the bandwidth to cover it. But fear not, the great Oz never forgets. I'm here on the shore of the Gulf Coast for Radio Free Oz talking with Charles Dunder, the latest member of Obama's Gang of Five sent down here to solve the oil spill crisis. Uh, you've just arrived, haven't you, Charles? Yes, I replaced Professor Katz, uh, you know, the astrophysicist, when it was revealed that he was a virulent homophobe and a 
climate change denier. Oh, I'm sorry to hear that. So, but so, what do you add to the team? Then? Well, I run the Petro Nutritional Institute back at Solid State University. I'm down here investigating a sustainable solution to the well, the massive loss of fish and shellfish that's going on right here at our feet as we speak. Uh, Petro Nutrition. I'm not familiar with that field. Oh, well, it's relatively new. You know, it didn't take off until we got the whole petrophilic nano-cloning process down. Excuse me? Well, sorry, uh, Mr. Oz. Simply put, given the right started genes, chain-ganged polymers, and robust steroids, we can create a host of creatures that not only survive in oil-saturated water, but... Well, they really thrive on it. Oh, is uh, is that one of them? That thing you're holding in your hand looks looks vaguely like a shrimp. Yes, yes, uh, exactly. We call it the slick shrimp, and and yes, it does thrive in oil polluted wetlands, just like these. Uh, now, you throw a million slick shrimp scat, as <laughs> the little fellows are called when they come out of the test tube, no bigger than a puppy seed, <laughs> and a month later, well, they're as big as as Buster hair. <laughs> Ready to be flavored and sent off to market. You want to try one? Okay. Well, it's a little chewy. Oh, that's the that's the polymer filling. How does it taste? Uh, tastes like pork. Yeah, yeah. Pork flavored slick shrimp. One of my one of my favorites. It's uh, it's pan Asian. Let me let, let me have it back. Oh, oh, yeah, okay. Oh, now you see. Watch this. I I just dip it in the degreaser and watch as it springs back to life. You could rub a little of this on it. All right. Here you are again. Now give it a try. Mmm. Now that tastes like jumbo bayou stampy. The real thing. Oh, well, they're all the real thing. <laughs> well, <clears throat> and that should go over real good with the green crowd. I mean, you can really eat them. Up to a dozen times, we believe, before the steroid skeleton breaks down, and, well, they just turn to mush. It's a reasonable short-term solution, Charles, but I, I can't wait for the real shrimp to return. Oh, 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 return? Well, Uncle Pete, that hole in the ocean floor is spewing some 200,000 gallons of oil a day. Your great-grandchildren will be waiting for these little shrimp to return. Now, so, now let's get real. I've got this oil-happy catfish here. You only have to put a match to it, like this. Ooh! <laughs> See? He's sautéed and ready to serve. <laughs> this is Peter Bergman for Radio Free Oz in the Gulf, and I want to go home. <laughs> you can never go home. And here I am ranting on uh, September 9th, 2010. Remember, the midterms are coming up fast. It's called Eat the Rich, Burn the Bush Tax Cuts. I was performing with Phil Proctor in Madison, Wisconsin in the mid-70s, sharing the bill with Patti Smith. Driving into the venue's parking garage, I was treated to a large graffiti that read, Eat the Rich. I thought it was apt then. I think it's a whole lot more apt now. The economic cancer that's eating away at our society is the unbelievable and ultimately unbearable income disparity between the rich and everyone else. In 1915, when we were displacing Britain as the richest nation on the planet, our wealthiest 1% accumulated 18% of the nation's income. Today, that figure is an outrageous 24%. The widening of this chasm wasn't spread out over the century. It erupted in the last two decades. 
And now here we are, going broke, state by state, business by business, household by household, individual by individual, while a small, tight-knit cabal of multimillionaires and multi-multimillionaires take control of the political process. The most politically conservative Supreme Court since the New Deal decided that money, regardless of how much is gathered at one point to do the damage, is free speech, unleashing the ultra-rich super PACs with the jovial, ever-jowly Karl Rove running with the big dogs again. Thank DARPA, or Dharma, your choice, for the internet, and Excalibur pulled out of the lake just in time to do battle with this tax-free propaganda juggernaut and Fox's stable of hydra-headed hooligans and altar boy bullies. At some level of their consciousness, the super-rich, along with everyone else, knows that the whole thing is coming apart. The response since the Bush coup light in 2004 has been a pell-mell rush to fascism. Not the black leather and strut fascism of Benito Mussolini. America is developing its own brand and its own icons and its own enemies. But it's fascism nonetheless. The conflation of government, finance, military, and the conclave of Christian ayatollahs appearing in megachurches and mall fronts everywhere. Right now... Brand new American fascism is doing just fine because the bulk of the people who can and will eventually do something about it are still in shock. No surprise. It all happened pretty fast. And at the end of an equity bubble that was a soft ride for anybody with any real estate on them at the time. Boom dot burst. All gone. No bueno. Now we have to pull ourselves together and solve this on our own. Now we're in mid-September 2010, and I begin to take on the candidates. Do you remember those halcyon days with all those super kooks running for office? Hey, what am I saying? We're in the midst of those halcyon days right now. This one's called Don't Tell Abe About Christine O'Donnell, and it appeared on Oz on September 15th. Of course I know how small a state Delaware is, but never figured on how many small minds reside there. They've nominated a candidate to run for the Senate on the GOP ticket, don't tell Abe Lincoln, his casket RPMs are redlining already, who under any other circumstances would be labeled demented light and laughed off the stage. But this is the fall and soon winter of our discontent, and Christine O'Donnell makes a whole lot of sense to people who have very little of their own. Okay. She denies evolution and claims the big guy made the world in six 24-7s. No surprise. Her party tried to put a woman in the White House, one myocardial heartbeat away from the button, who claims to have seen fossils commingled with the feet of giant dinosaurs and little children, proving they frolicked together in the scriptures not too distant past. Okay. She thinks abstinence is a workable solution despite all the statistics and single mothers to the contrary. No biggie. Christine knows statistics are the foot soldiers of secular science who serve only the elite and their minions of smarter-than-thou intellectuals. Okay, she claims masturbation is sexual perversion despite millions of happy testimonials from those of us who beat off to a different drum. None of her wacko ways disqualify her from running for office. What they would do in a better and saner time would disqualify her in the minds of any voter who took the time to figure out that putting an ignorant, Bible-beating, retro cheerleader in the Senate is reckless and stupid. 
Imagine making her one of the 100 votes that peoples the Supreme Court, funds the war on the not me, giveth or taketh away the bread from the needy, and stands guard with our founding fathers at the sacred border between church and state. Should she ascend to the senior chamber, she might find bird brains of a feather if Rand Paul, rumored to be the love child of Ron Paul and Ayn Rand, and Sharon Angle surf home on the wave of fear and anger. Christine can join Jim Inhofe and hotly deny global warming, help what's left of John McCain finish that dang fence, and compliment a feast of choice tax cuts for the rich with an after-dinner Jim DeMint. Remember, little minds can achieve great things if great minds do little to stop them. I'm Yeri Jero, the host of America's world-class web game, Empire Jeopardy! Today's contestants, he's a vertical urban farmer from battered Washington. Meet Jack Browndart. How's it going, Jack? It's growing, Mr. Jero. Up and up and up. He's the commander of former intelligence in Syncom Dreadsent AFPAC in Hintsville, Arkansas. Meet Lieutenant Colonel Butter Braunschweig. Colonel, what is Syncom Dreadsent AFPAC? Well, I wasn't in long enough to find that out, Yeri. She's a loan denier for Windjammer Gogol in Jockey Shorts, Illinois. Meet Swendaloo Zimmer. Working hard, Swendaloo? Saying no is becoming a real growth business, Mr. Jerome. Well, the rules are as simple as our contestants. Win two and we talk. Lose two and you walk. Tie and you try again next time. Here we go. 221,943,567. What's a number large enough to confuse people? Uh, what uh, is the cost of a B1 stealth fuselage? What is the number of barrels of oil that BP has spilled into the Gulf as of an hour ago? One for you, Jack. I see you stay on top of things. Okay, here we go again. Hiding billions of dollars of debt by not selling what you don't want until you get it back. What is window dressing? That was fast, Swindaloo. Easy. I used to date one of the Lehman brothers when I worked at B of A. Well, we're down to it now. Swindaloo and Jack, maybe we talk. Butter Braunschweig, maybe you walk. Yeah. Here it is. Red Cloak for breakfast. What's the latest gluten-free diet? What is taking an early meeting with the Cardinal? What is the Hopi symbol of the cataclysmic purification of America? Bingo! <laughs> yeah, we talked about it all the time at Dreadset. Well, you'll get to talk some more about it because you tied it up and you'll all be back next time on Empire Jeopardy! I'll bring a PowerPoint with me. Ah, those midterm elections are drawing ever closer. This from October 4th, 2010. It's called, on November 2nd, Do the Right Thing. These are confusing times, no doubt. In a little over a year, we have seen our economy tank, our empire implode, and our culture unravel. Whether we've entered a bona fide Big D depression or just double dipping doesn't change the fact that half the states are bankrupt, real unemployment is nearly double what the government will admit, and the specter of homelessness stalks millions of Americans who until recently were sleepwalking through the American dream. We can't pump up the war machine because we lost the handle chasing vandals in and out of the Middle East, and the loyal opposition in Congress is loyal only to their single-minded scheme of bringing down the government so they can root around for goodies in the ashes. These are the times that try men's souls, and we have been tried and found wanting on at least one count of spineless stupidity. 
both ends of the political spectrum have abjured any responsibility for the mess we're in and shifted the explanation to a series of self-serving conspiracy theories, all starring Barack Hussein Obama. The Tea Party version has been grabbing column inches for months. Obama's a dedicated, anti-colonial, Kenyan anchor baby sent here to take away our guns, our Hummers, and our right to die from lack of proper health care. The rants from the disgruntled left have the look of legitimate research, but in the end are just as far-fetched. My favorite is the screed that ties Obama's father and the rest of his family to a variety of CIA plots against good guy African leaders and then reveals the military-industrial cabal behind Barack's rise to the presidency. All that's missing are the Illuminati, the Elders of Zion, and the Spear of Longinus. Obama's not the Manchurian candidate. He's a remarkable person trying to clean up a White House befouled with eight years of sedition and greed. He got the Nobel Prize just for being elected. That's a measure of the doo-doo left behind by W and the horse he rode out on. Take another look at TARP. It worked. Study the stimulus bill. It's a transforming vision. And come November 2nd, get off your disgruntled ass and do the right thing. And, of course, the war in Afghanistan and the proxy war in Pakistan raged on. This from October 9th, 2010, called a beacon of burning tankers. The flaming hulks of NATO fuel trucks stretching from the AFPAC border to Islamabad cast a baleful light on the shadow war we have been waging in Pakistan. Understand, the Taliban thugs who torch these tankers have the sympathy of every Pakistani whose lives are threatened daily by the rain of hellfire missiles. In the last month, the Pentagon and the CIA have more than doubled their predator attacks over Pakistan. Their stated rationale? They need to beef up their boogeyman body count before the White House does their reassessment of the whole AFPAC adventure. It's time we made our reassessment. One, what can we accomplish by putting boots on the ground and drones in the air in Pakistan? The Taliban and a broad range of other hardline Islamist groups are standard fare in a country that was founded as a breakaway Islamic state. Two, what real help can we expect from the Pakistani army, government, or security services? For decades, they've been using us, lying to us, and supporting the warlords and jihadists who have been killing us. Three, what have our incursions into Pakistan accomplished except to increase the risk of terrorist attacks against our homeland? The Times Square bomber was provoked by our predator attacks. He is not alone. 4. What level of blood and treasure will we have to pour into Pakistan to make a difference? 100,000 troops and $2 billion a week isn't doing the job in Afghanistan. 5. What's the end game? Will it take the head of bin Laden, a feminist Taliban, an opium-free Afghanistan, and textbook democracies from Baghdad to Baluchistan to satisfy us? Can't we just pack up the American dream and come home? If we answer these questions and choose to act, we have a shot at turning this madness around. If not, we can join the drones at home, follow our leaders, and pay the parking meters. Buddy, can you spare a dime? Oh, Afghanistan. Save us from Babylon You yeah, can take your name away Can they take us too? It shows Reuters photojournalist Namir Noradan, driver Saeed Chamak, and several others gunned down by U.S. military in a public square in eastern Baghdad. Pilots apparently mistook the camera carried by a newsman for a weapon. Come on, fire! Hey, Roger. 
After the initial shooting, an unarmed group of adults and children in a minivan arrived on the scene and attempted to transport the wounded. The van was fired upon as well. Come on! WikiLeaks showed photographs of the children in the van who survived. We can infer that these sort of attacks are going on in Afghanistan. That this is the reality of modern warfare. Oh, Afghanistan, save us from Babylon. If they can take your name away, can they take us too? The real reason that I think Americans are going to be concerned is that there that is that there is no prospect that the mission for which their sons and daughters are being sent can be accomplished. Let me go. Get me to go. Just release. Get me to be released. Uh, I would recommend halting the surge uh, and a rather rapid withdrawal of a significant part of the U.S. forces that have been sent into Afghanistan over the last year. I want to go home. The men, Afghanistan men, who are in our prisons, they want to go home too. Oh, Afghanistan, save us from Babylon. If they can take your name away, can they take us too? And so the midterms are finally upon us. Ah, oh, well, just before they happened, I had this nightmare. And I woke up and I had to write it down. And it's in rhyme. And it's uh, a tip of the hat to the nightmare song from Iolantha by the wonderful Gilbert and Sullivan. I am lying awake with a midterm headache. My psyche is racked with anxiety. I am badly confused and feel terribly used by the fat cats who run our society. I'm anxious and frightened. My terror is heightened by the news that comes out of Fox Cable. All pompous and smiley, that bastard O'Reilly spouts off from his Tower of Babel. I'm brimming with dread from each prim talking head. I can't even look at Sean Hannity. He's all certain and sure as he spreads his manure. I well could be losing my sanity. So I fall off to sleep. Sleep in the wake of that creep and his legion of logical errors. And the dreams that I dream of the Dems getting creamed are beset with electoral terrors. I see myself flying in space and I'm eyeing my countrymen making decisions. From the west to the east, from the most to the least, it's a picture of rents and divisions. There is want, there is waste, and a lack of good taste. All is calumny, cant, and profanities. The pictures and scenes on the zines and the screens are an incessant stew of inanities. In Alaska, Murkowski may soon lose her house key to the ladies' room back at the Senate. The Tea Party anger will probably hang her like it did back in Utah to Bennett. Jerry Brown's using Whitman's own words as his hitman. The moonbeam outthought and outfoxed her. In the Senate arena is Carly Fiorina and a heavyweight champion boxer. McCain and Jan Brewer, no sane man would screw her, are getting that dang fence erected. They talk law and order, but down at the border, the visitors pass undetected. Harry reads in a tangle with Miss Sharon Angle, the queen of press conference evasion, who states without panic to a school of Hispanics that somehow they all seem so Asian. The millionaire Johnson, who's up in Wisconsin giving five Gold a regular whipping says he thinks global warming is sunspots performing. Hey, dude, I've just got to be tripping. Paladino the porker wants to govern New Yorkers campaigning from upstate to Zabars. When he's not cursing homos or losing to Cuomo, he runs Buffalo's two hottest gay bars. There's Christine the witch, the tea party bitch, the first to take moral offendment, who was stunned in a rate when she learned church and state were cut loose in the premier amendment. 
And then last of all, there's the son of Ron Paul trying out as a good Christian liver. Since the story that broke of the girl he got stoked and made bow down to God in the river. I wake up at last, the nightmare has passed, and there's light streaming in through the curtain. In the clear glow of dawn, I feel hope coming on, and of one thing I know I am certain. We've come out of a bubble in serious trouble, the goo in the gulf's killing fishes. The money is hoarded, all Main Street is boarded, the vibe in the hood's getting vicious. If we don't fight for health, teach our kids, spread the wealth, we're all going to drown in this drama. Just remember, my friends, as the darkness descends, we've got 2012 and Obama. So the right wing swept in on that wave of ignorant anger. I'm not surprised. People can't take responsibility for themselves. They have to blame it on the not me. The left is so much easier to take to task because when you call them bad names or you come up with crazy theories, they'll think about it and then want to debate you about it rather than telling you you're the devil's spawn. And so, on December 23rd, I wrote this piece uh, to welcome uh, the new House of Representatives and Senate. It won't be long before the eager crowds of teabaggers, young earthers, global warming deniers, militiamen, and compassion-free libertarians ride into Washington on the wave of free-floating, misdirected national anger that sent them to the Capitol to do their worst. For someone like me who takes infinite pleasure chronicling the antics of the bourgeoisie, the next two years are going to be a hoot. I confess there's a tiny part of my psyche that wishes Christian O'Donnell, Sharon Angle, Tom Tancredo, Joe Miller, and Rich Ayat had made the cut. Think how much livelier the 112th Congress would be with a teenage Satanist, a woman who turns unwanted pregnancies into lemonade, a world-class bigot, a man who handcuffs annoying reporters, and a guy who likes to hang out on the weekends in an SS uniform roaming the halls of the House and the Senate. It's no surprise that we elected such a bevy of over-the-top wingnuts to preside over us. They are us. Look around. America has never been so over-the-top. We weigh more pounds, watch more movies, wear more clothes, wave more fingers, whip more whipping boys, wave more flags, weave more conspiracies, wrestle more demons, and want more of everything than ever before in our 250-year history. The next two years will tell the tale. Perhaps the gaggle of newly elected yahoos and know-nothings inspired by the spirits of Washington, Lincoln, and the not-me in the White House will grow into their jobs. Perhaps John Boehner will get even more deeply in touch with his feelings and reach out to the millions who need their government's help. But I doubt it. I think we're in for two years of serve the rich and let God sort out the rest. That's what we get for living in an over-the-top culture. The ultra-rich get ultra-richer, the middle class is marginalized, and the bourgeoisie dance in the halls of Congress. This is Peter Bergman on the road for Radio Free Oz, and I'm at the Creep Air Force Base in the Doom Room. That's one level under the Situation Room at the DOD MGM Grand somewhere in Nevada. And with me is Colonel Bob Nutz, drone commander and showrunner here. Is that right, Colonel Nutz? Laugh at my name and I'll have your drone. What? Ha ha, just kidding, soldier. I'm not a soldier. Everyone's a soldier when our country's at war. Yeah, right. Well, okay, what are we looking at here on these two big video monitors? Well, I went over there, that's AFPAC. AFPAC? Afghanistan, Pakistan, it's all one big show now. Well, can we listen in, Colonel? Sure, that's Kiowa 84, it's hovering down the Kabul, the freaking nowhere highway. No, I'm not seeing any sand jockeys down there, Bob. Look, uh, let's get back to this uh, this waiver here and the re-up and ship papers. Uh, we really have to work this out. The bonus? What about the bonus? Well, it isn't strictly for signing the PTS waiver. I know you can get simple. Re-up and ship. Look at graph uh, 3024. Yeah. It says uh, fly times, times cultural relations, times, you know. We can make a fortune. 
Can I talk to him? Well, sure. Say, soldiers, can you tell the RFO audience just what you're watching down there on the road? We are hunting rabbits. Uh, detergents. Insurgents. Happy hunting, boys. Now, over there, Mr. Bretman, you can watch uh, Mexa Riz. Wow, hi, Def. I can see the slats in the border fence. Yeah, they can get through those slats. Well, how? Blow a hole in them. Oh, look at this. They can just ramp up over the damn thing with one of their high-rider SUVs. Wow, there's 50 people coming over the fence. What do you guys do now? We drone them. Now, we're not allowed to drag them. We just drone them. We drone them into the hands of the... Here they come, the Hintville National Guard. Yeah, there they are, just reveted right there to the big fence. That sounds painful. Hanging your body across the border is the least you can do for your country. Yeah, well, okay. Well, thanks for the tour, Colonel. Uh, wait a minute. Uh, what's that? Captain, I got 12 possible insurgents at the Shake Shack down there at Click 343. I'm confirming, I'm confirming. Are they armed? Well, I can't tell if those are brokers or rocket launchers. All right, we have a crowd of presumed terrorist, militant, insurgent aliens. Requesting orders, yeah. requesting orders. Ah, hellfire. Show them who's boss. This is Peter Bergman on the road for RFO, and I'm out of here. What's all this talk about structural unemployment? There's work out there. You just have to know where to find it. Here are four fabulous gridlock-proof fields of opportunity. RoboSigner. Have you got a strong wrist and little moral curiosity? There are stacks of foreclosure documents waiting for your John Hancock. You don't have to read what you're signing, and there's a bling bonus if you beat the quota. Naysayer. The Republicans have done a non-stop job of braying nay to everything Democrats have come up with to deal with the double dip we've been dealt. Boehner and his bad brothers are horse from two years of being horses' asses and need a break. So, if you know how to say no loud and clear to any plan that's remotely useful to our present dilemma, then shuffle off to D.C. and get to work. Human fence. Every day, hordes of illegal immigrants are pouring into the country across our porous border to the south. Here's a chance to put yourself and your country back to work. Link hands with millions of your fellow unemployed and make a fence of flesh, denying access to those who would infiltrate our economy, filling the very jobs that real Americans won't take because nobody plays them on television. Couch miner. You can change your life with the smallest change, and that's what's waiting for you, hidden in sofas and stuffed seats everywhere. Yes, it's time to leave the couch potato lifestyle behind. But before you do, reach out of the cushion of that couch and excavate those pennies, nickels, dimes, and even quarters that are going to grub stake your return to reality. As you move up in life, you'll be sitting on fancier couches in fancier places and digging out the really big dough. Get going now. You don't have time to sit around and find out if you're an anchor baby. Dr. Blowjob, send me a job. I'm out of work and I feel like a slob. Please twist on your magic knob. And Dr. Blowjob, send me. Please, please mend me. Dr. Blowjob, send me a job. Thank you, Bernice. Hey, you're out of work and I'm not. And that's why I can show up to host the one program that puts Americans back to work. One American at a time. Our first job seeker is Sterile Gorgon of Brooklyn, Iowa. Happy to be on the show, uh, Dr. Blowjob. Oh, just call me BJ Sterile, so tell me, where were you pinked? At Midwest Great Pains Packing, Doctor. I was a standby safety chain operator at the Lamb Sluice. That's hard work, but it <laughs> is work. Now, nah, you stay right where you are, Sterile. I've been doing 
doing that for months. Our other job seeker is a first-timer in the line. He's Tweed Eastern from same-sex Massachusetts. Who was at the other end of your downsizing hatchet, Tweed? Uh, worldwide whatever. I was halfway through my training as a generic brand special events manager when the bubble burst. Well, let's see if we can blow it up again. The voice you're about to hear, because you can't see him behind the screen, is a real employer with a real job opening. He'll test each of you with a job-related scenario, and your solution to the problem will determine which of you will walk away with a job, and which will return to a life of uncertainty, restlessness, and free-floating stress. Sounds like you've been there. (laughs) Mr. Gorgon. You're working for one of our communications divisions, cutting a data pathway through an old-growth redwood forest, and your blade accidentally cuts through a nest of endangered songbirds. How would you alert the authorities? Well, sir, where I come from, we have a saying. Eat what you kill, and have the EPA for dessert. Oh, you come strong out of the box there, Stero. Mr. Eastern. You're working as a tour person in one of our theme parks, and the fun bus you're on accidentally runs over a trained pony at the petting zoo. How do you handle the shock crowd of tourists and school children? I'd remind them, sir, that it's a zero-sum life now. When that pony goes into our meat wagon, it means more hamburger for everybody. Oh, let's eat. And now the moment of truth. Who gets hired and who stays mired? The moment of truth. And yet, truth really doesn't have anything to do with it. If it did, the vast majority of the unemployed would be back at work. And the handful of lazy, system-playing-out-of-work slackers would fall off the radar. Or hire themselves out to GOP rallies as negative role models. I've made my decision. I don't want sterile. And I don't want tweed. I want them both. I want ruthless and toothless. I know good news when I hear it. Oh, thanks, Doc. That's Doc. Thank you so much. <laughs> All right, Bernice, take it away. Whatever. Dr. Blowjob, you got me a job. Now I can eat and I don't have to rob. You turned on your magic knob. They downsized and pinked me. You made them rethink me, Dr. Blowjob. Thanks for the job. This one's called The Devil and the Details, and we move on to March 9th of this year. The day they smoked Osama. If George Bush had successfully tracked Osama bin Laden to his redoubt and taken him out, do you think the Democrats would have wasted their time complaining about the details that came out of the dust and blood of that desperate mission? And think of the thunder of chest-thumping that would have rolled out of the White House of Washington warriors. The president would have had mission accomplished tattooed on his brow to remind everyone that he got something right after all. The Republicans are gobsmacked by the breadth of the administration's success. The classic picture of Obama and his advisors looking so very much on point as they follow the assassination at Abbottabad will haunt the GOP in 2012. How are they going to explain to their rabid base that the ineffective collectivist sissy in the White House took down the terrorist whose face has graced every dartboard and shooting range target in America? 
Let me sum it up in rhyme. America's gotten its wish. Osama now sleeps with the fish. The prez is a winner when he sits down to dinner. There's no humble pie in his dish. I'll be right back after a word from our sponsor. Welcome to the 99% store, where the masses huddle to get through the muddle. Today's special are these piss-proof umbrellas from Supply Side that keeps you high and dry when the rich trickle down on you. Too busy looking for that job that isn't there to make your own protest sign? We've got them all, including The Beginning is Near, Let My Children Go to College, I Couldn't Afford a Politician So I Made This Sign, Hungry, Eat a Banker, I'll Believe Corporations Are People When Texas Executes One, and our Wall Street special, Jump You Fuckers. Are you going nowhere fast? Get healthy behind it with a Paul Ryan Pathway to Prosperity treadmill. Mitt Romney says, half an hour in the morning on Paul's machine gives me the lower body strength for another day of flip-flopping and backpedaling. Occupying Wall Street? Don't join the march without a pack of slimy bastard spotting cards, including mugshots of Lloyd Blankfein, Jamie Dimon, John Paulson, Vikram Pandit, Larry Summers, Tim Geithner, and his dishonor, Michael Bloomberg. Remember, you can't diss him and hiss him if you miss him. And here's a bargain for all you living the unemployed lifestyle. It's the 2012 edition of the Great American Get Back to Work Kit that includes job applications for patty flipping at McDonald's and chicken flicking at Tyson's, a commemorative album for your food stamps, rose-colored night goggles that help you see the light at the end of the tunnel, a wetsuit for double dipping and dumpster diving, and a rainproof begging bowl. It's all at the 99% store, the home away from home for the soon-to-be homeless. That's it for Radio Free Oz for this week. Oz is made possible by the Oz team. Dave Osman, my co-host. Chaz Glass, who keeps us financially clean. Scott Wilde, who keeps us thoroughly socially networked. Tom Gedwillow, our webmaster. Tom O'Neill, our web designer. Phil Fountain, our graphics man. And of course, Dave Maloney up there in beautiful Blue U Studios on Whidbey Island who does the recording and the producing. You all make it possible, and you do too. If you go up to Radio Free Oz, push that great big green button and keep us on the air. Remember, we're going to get through this together.